You're so right. And it's that perseverance that is so essential in the end. And, and you know, it's it's tough when you have those. There, There's tough moments. There's dark days when you, you know, you're like, how am I going to get through this next, you know, this next month, this next, you know, few months? And um, sticking with it is, uh, you know, really so, so important to just know that in the end, it's going to work out. Welcome to Elevate Your Career, the podcast dedicated to empowering individuals from all walks of life as they navigate the ever-changing landscape of their chosen fields. In this show, we'll be bringing on a diverse range of professionals from various career stages to uncover the secrets behind achieving success in any industry. We'll explore how they achieved their career goals and the path they took to get there. Your host is none other than Nicole McMacken. CEO of the Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, an award-winning information technology solutions and staffing provider. Now let's get to the show. On today's show, we will be speaking with Troy Arnston, co-founder and president of the hottest global affordable brand, Veluspa. Troy is illuminating the world through his fragrance, and I'm a huge lover of his brand and devoted customer. Learn what Troy's very first job was as a teen and how he potentially mentally scarred a few of his customers with his attire and how a mechanical engineer turned into a risk taker entered into the fragrance world when there was really not a surge of products in the market. If you're interested in what it takes to make it as an entrepreneur, lessons learned and important downfalls, both actually that Troy and I faced in both of our businesses, this is the podcast you are waiting for. Let Troy Arnston light your way. Troy, welcome to the show. So excited to have you. Hi, Nicole. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here and thank you for inviting me on. Oh my goodness. Are you kidding me? I was so happy to have you. I was, I've been thinking about having you on for so long. And as you know, I am a huge lover of your everything, Alispa. Can't get enough. I I think I've bought your whole entire line for presents this year for friends and family. So I love to hear um, that. Making you money. Making you money. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That's amazing. So as you know, on the show, we we start with a fun fact. And um, you know, some people dread it, some people love it, but I hope you've been thinking about it. What is your interesting fun fact about yourself? So I have to share with you my uh, first job that I ever had when I was 15 years old was I was a giant loaf of Wonder Bread. And I wandered through the Driscoll's Super Value in my little hometown in Minnesota, scaring little kids probably more than getting them excited to eat Wonder Bread. But uh, I that, that was my job for like three hours. I wandered around the store as Wonder Bread. and. After that, you know, I my pride was out the window and I could do anything after that. That's right. <laughs> Tell our listeners how tall you are, too. So <laughs> yeah. that could be daunting. <laughs> Six four. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably why I got the job. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that now is one of the best fun facts. Uh, and I, I will remember that, log that into you forever. Uh, but good stuff. Good stuff. Well, let's let's, you know, start start a little bit on the podcast about your career and your journey. I know you went to school in Minnesota and majored in engineering and 
here you are leading a global brand. Um, I think pretty much luxury global brand and not that it seems like since I've known you and not that too long of distance, you've, you become this person to be reckoned with, right? Like, I mean, you're just setting the stage in the market of, of candles and, um, luxury. And so everywhere I go, I go to Nordstrom, I can go to Neiman's, I can go to a boutique, I can go, I mean, you're, you're right there constantly. So would love to hear your, your success stories. Oh, you're so kind. Uh, I I appreciate that. And, you know, I feel fortunate to have enjoyed uh, increasing success with the brand through the years. And um, yeah, so, you know, if you like, I, I, I can take you back kind of through through the uh, from the, the early days, you know, just um, a little bit about myself. You know, growing up in Minnesota, I was the you know middle child of uh, three boys, and I you know had a kind of typical Midwest you know background where um, it was a blue kind of blue collar family. My dad was a electrician, my mom is a nurse, and um, you know as as I kind of went through school, I was actually um, pretty good at, at math and science, so I ended up going to school for engineering, mechanical engineering specifically um, at the University of Minnesota, and. I know a lot of people probably wouldn't imagine like the founder of a luxury home fragrance brand as a background in mechanical engineering, but uh, that's kind of, you know, where, where it started. But as I, you know, went through that journey of, uh, of um, my engineering studies, I kind of realized towards the end that I, I didn't really want to be an engineer. I, I kind of felt, I think a little more drawn towards business. And so my uh, first job that I got, you know, out of college when I graduated was actually at a computer chip company called Cypress Semiconductor. And uh, I was hired there as a production supervisor. And that was an extremely interesting um, kind of way to like launch my career there. It was uh, a very like intense environment. And on my first day uh, working there, I got handed this book called No Excuses Management, which was written by the, the founder um, and CEO of the company. Basically, that book was, you know, it was really kind of foundational for me in terms of like learning accountability. Like in that business, they, you know, he would talk about this thing stuck with me where when you're making a computer chip, you have to do a thousand things right. And if you do 999 right, that guarantees failure, not success. And oh, so how interesting. through that sort of um, lessons, I, you know, I learned, uh, you know, this, this kind of idea of, of accountability that I think was like an early stepping stone towards becoming a, a successful manager and, and ultimately entrepreneur. How did you get that job? Right. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because I always say your first job out of college will be your roughest job to get. And especially in today's society, for whatever reason, it's, it's, you have these kids, they're coming out with degrees left and right. And six months a year, they can't get a job anywhere doing anything. So how was it easy for you to get a job or was it local? It was. It was in Minnesota. You know, I as as like later in my education, I realized that I wanted to go more towards business. So I did an emphasis in industrial engineering. And so I think that kind of caught their intention, uh, attention um, in terms of my like um, learnings about, you know, some of like efficiencies and the like economics involved with the um, the kind of the combination of of uh, engineering and business that kind of went together, I would say. Got it. Got it. Okay. And so I think that's you flashback, right? When, 
when you have that job and someone hands you that book, I, how would that bode in today's society, right? Here's someone hand, hand you a book like that. Like, you know, I, it's just funny. I, I had to laugh to myself when I was thinking, gosh, yeah, it was, it was pretty rough, right? Like yeah, yeah. 20 years ago or something. <laughs> I mean, it was rough and you sucked it up. Right. So yeah, I was just, you know, sharing that story with, uh, you know, one of my directors at the company, like telling the story and, um, I think she was just like, uh, you know, almost like a little shocked at like to, to learn that's in a way like that's how it kind of was back then. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I think the world has really changed for the better in most ways. But, you know, at the same time, you know, there were good, you know, great lessons in that that I yeah. read forward. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And how long did you stay there? So I worked uh, at Cyprus for three years. And uh, then really a pivotal thing happened in my life where um, I had this experience where I, after three years, I had saved up money and I bought uh, a, a, my first house it was a duplex and I moved into the upstairs and uh, I had um, tenants downstairs and it was two guys that um, were entrepreneurs just like starting kind of their their own business and they um, were import, importing essential oils from mostly from India. And so I became friends with them. And during that time, I learned about two things. You know, first of all, was this idea of entrepreneurialism, which to me, um, you know, growing up in a in a family, you know, where, you know, my dad was an electrician, my mom's a nurse, like, um, you know, your kind of my job was to, you know, get a good education and get a good job and, um, you know, work in that way. And the idea of like, you know, being an entrepreneur and kind of having that sort of like creative control over my life was like very exciting to me. And so I really gravitated towards that idea. And I also like, uh, loved learning about these, um, essential oils and, and the, um, you know, those are used in, aromatherapy, fragrances, um, you know, the food and fragrance industry. And I learned about, you know, how um, impactful that they can be on a person's mood and their sense of well-being. And that really fascinated me in, in, in particular as I, um, you know, became friends with them. I uh, I decided that, you know, they invited me to, you know, join on with them as a partner and I decided to like to take that leap to, um, you know, quit my corporate job and, you know, become a partner in their business. And, you know, my family, my friends all thought that I was crazy. Like they're like, what what is he doing? Um, because, you know, it was a small business just sort of operating out of the house. And um, and I just, you know, I went for it. And, you know, first thing we did was we took a trip to India and I spent like three weeks like going to the farms and seeing how essential oils are made. And, um, Wait, and I got to back up here. Wow. Okay. So this is a lot. I did not know this. Okay. Your first job, three years, right? You quit your job, you buy a duplex, you're upstairs, these uh, men and women downstairs, essential oils. They have a small kind of mom and pop type business. Where are you working now? Are you still, are you a different At Cyprus, company? yeah. I have no, you're my still job. there. Okay, 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 okay. And you decide, gosh, I could really get passionate about this and the thought of doing something on my own. And or in conjunction with two other people, I'm fascinated about. And, and during this time, like, what year is this? Do you know what off the? Yeah, topic? this is like 1998, 1999 in that time frame. 98, really. You're just so interesting, right? Because that 
for our listeners, right? That's, that's a huge leap of faith for you because during that time, you know, and I know essential oils is in other cultures is a, a really large thing, but not so much here in the United States. It hasn't emerged as it is today. And that, if I was your mom and dad, I would have been concerned too, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? I would, yeah. I would have, if I would have given my own son advice, like, okay, what the heck are you doing? Right? This yeah. is, I think you've, you've been doing this. So, wow. Okay. And then you find yourself um, boy from Minnesota on a plane over to India, which is an entire new culture on to its own. I mean, it's, it's so different, right? Especially then. Oh yes. It it was really eye opening for me. Um, I had barely, I think been out of the state of Minnesota, maybe, uh, <laughs> a few, maybe a few times, but, um, I'd definitely never been to a place like India. And, um, so it was really so experiential and, the people there were really wonderful and, you know, going out and like being immersed in the farms and seeing how these essential oils are made was really pretty spectacular for me and life changing in a sense of, um, you know, if you go you know, on a vacation to India, you might experience one thing, but like we were really um, working and we were going down remote roads into remote villages and um, you know, seeing what these folks really do there. And it was, uh, it was moving and um, profound and really, you know, inspired me on to, uh, you know, the career that I think like, you know, I'm enjoying today. Wow, that's something now. So you quit your job? Or did you kind of try to do half and half? During that time, I went all in, Nicole. I just went all in. Oh my <laughs> I, gosh. I, I quit. I had saved up some money, and uh, I think for maybe the first like month or two, I you know I kind of worked with them, um, you know, just to kind of get things going. But you know, once we kind of started have getting some revenue going, and I felt comfortable that we had a future in it, um, I you know I made that that leap pretty quickly. Wow. I'm impressed. That's risky. And that's, that's a sign of a risk taker. I love that. It was. Yeah. And I, you know, I did definitely gave my parents a heart attack without a doubt, but how old were you then? I was, um, 27, 28. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. I bet you gave them a heart attack. That's good for you. It was a good time to do it though. You know, it was, it was the right time in my life. So. And what happened from there? So did you stay business partners with them and what successes did you have or? You know, we started off and, um, you know, we were doing this importing, but, um, it, it was kind of a little slow moving. So we decided to launch like a a retail line of like aromatherapy oils and aromatherapy candles, which is kind of like how I learned a little about the um, candle business to begin with. And, you know, we had some success with that. And the, you know, the company um, grew a little bit from very small to just, you know, a little bit bigger. Um, We had got a little bit of investment um, from one of my partner's uncle's and, you know, after a couple of years, um, as so often happens with partnerships is, you know, things just didn't uh, work out like kind of, um, you know, we had different ideas on direction. And I, you know, I knew that uh, that partnership really wasn't going to work, uh, work well for me. Um, so I had to um, part ways. And, you know, that was a hard time, a hard decision. Probably really, I would say the most like difficult moment in my life really at that point, because, um, you know, I put like a lot of my resources into it 
And in a way, I had kind of like failed in the sense of like, um, you know, I didn't really having this successful partnership that I had dreamed of. And it ended in a way that I hadn't envisioned. However, kind of stepping away from it, I really had that like uh, entrepreneurial um, desire or feeling at that point. And I, I just, even though, um, you know, the logical thing at that point would have been to go and, uh, you know, get a job and just kind of, you know, restart my career. I had to give it another try because I just felt like, you know, I was on to like, what was the true path for me? So at that point, I made the, you know, the second uh, rash decision of my life, which was uh, I talked to uh, my girlfriend at the time and I, you know, I told her I wanted to start a new business. And she said that, you know, she wanted to do it with me. And we packed up from Minnesota and moved to her hometown in Orange County, California, and just drove out and started Veluspa on um, $3,000. And oh that was gosh. all we had in terms of resources to, that was the beginning. That is amazing. And I would, that's risk, right? So it's funny through meeting people and speaking to people and hearing their stories. And Troy, you and I've known each other sometime. And I, I didn't know parts of this about you, right? And it just seems um, quite remarkable. And then when you you look at how far you have come from that boy in Minnesota, right? With the engineering, mechanical engineering degree to to what I said, one of the, the largest, you know, luxury brands now now out in the market globally. Um, it's it's really something. And and I would say to you that statistically, right, a lot of partnerships that people forge and I know it's it's hurt feelings and you know potential missed opportunities, but they they typically don't. It's very difficult. There's a high percentage of partnerships that dissolve over the time. So um, you know it's it's don't don't beat yourself up. I mean, I think that that probably was a really hard time because you have aspirations and goals and in your own mind what you think things are going to be, and it 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 happens, right? And so, but it looks like you you know said, hey, this is where I want to be, and grab my girlfriend and and let's do it. And kudos to you both to, to putting that together. Yeah, I think, you know, taking those, you know, those chances and whatever it is, whether you're an entrepreneur or stepping out into a new career, um, you know, those sometimes it doesn't work out, but like being able to just, you know, pick yourself back up and move on is the most important thing. And well, the second most important thing, the first most important is taking that first step, um, you know, in the direction that you feel is right for you. You and, and your girlfriend move out to California to Orange County and you decide Villaspa, we're we're gonna start this brand, right? And and was it fragrances first or was it candles or how and and to walk us through how you did that. What were your thinking, both of you and the con- concepts and um just just how you did this because it's it's quite interesting. Yeah, you know, um through you know through the first business I I really felt like the aromatherapy candle um area was really kind of exciting as that was like a a popular way for people to, you know, deliver fragrance as opposed to like the oils and the droppers and that kind of thing. So we felt like um an aromatherapy or fragrance candle brand would be um, really a wonderful business. And so um, that's kind of where we started off with our, you know, knowledge of, of you know, aromatherapy, essential oils. You know, my partner had a, a real passion for designing packaging, which she was, you know, talented at. And we 
kind of put it together and, uh, you know, made a little, um, you know, line of uh, fragrance candles. And, you know, back then it was really tough to get it going um, where we designed this line and then, you know, now we have to sell it. And so we just like, you know, went out to like the local uh, stores in Orange County gift shops and like, we're like, hey, check out our like our line of uh, scented candles. And, um, you know, we got some, you know, a few uh, stores that were like, you know, gracious enough to take the brand in. So we would like bring in the order of candles and, uh, you know, get a check and like, go put it in the bank and then go buy more wax supplies. You know, I remember, driving up to you know los angeles where we would get our waxes and and you know pick them up bring them down melt them down in the you know the kitchen or the, or the garage pour more candles take them out to the stores it was really very hand to mouth and um you know at one point we had uh we you know we were we made pillar candles and um, with those, you have to like fill them twice. And so, you know, we, I, you know, I would pour those candles myself and, you know, during the day. And then in the middle of the night, they would have like cooled enough and I would set the alarm for like two in the morning and I'd get up and like fill them and then go back to bed and then bring them out to the customers. It was just, a, it was a real, um, it was, you know, really, uh, you know, challenging in those early days, but, oh, yeah. you know, good stories thinking back. To Did you ever... Look at it and say, okay, here's the competitors in our space. Should we even do this? Were you discouraged by that? You know, the it, candles um, is a very, you know, it's a great industry in that there's, you know, kind of a, a easy or they, I guess you'd call it a low barrier to entry where, you know, it's kind of easy to get into it. And um, it's not, you know, real capital intensive. And there, you know, there is a lot of brands out there for sure. But we felt like, um, you know, our approach to having like, uh, you know, a luxury packaging and a real, you know, great formulation, um, like we felt like we could really strike a niche. And and I think, you know, we did that, um, you yeah. know, little by little as uh, a lot of learnings along the way. But it certainly is not like a you you design something and um, at least in our case where it was in immediately successful. It was a lot of iterations. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I think uh, individuals typically look at other people and they say, wow, there, there has to be a fast track to get there. And what I love about your story is oftentimes when you really peel back the curtain, there is no fast track. We are all in our garages. We are, you know, if we're not pouring um, wax at two in the morning, we're, you know, working till 10 o'clock at night and getting up at four in the morning the next day and driving a car, or taking a bus and trying to get there. You know, you look at Microsoft, right? Started in a garage and, you know, all of these individuals and it, it just sometimes it helps people to understand when they're going through trials and tribulations, right? It's that, look, there are people just like you who've become very successful going through the same thing or have had gone through the same thing and, you know, putting the sweat equity in and, and real sweat equity. So that's, I love that story. I, I didn't know that. So, yeah. Yeah, no, you're so right. And it's that perseverance that is so essential in the end. And, and, you know, it's, it's tough when you have those, there, there's tough moments, there's dark days when you, you know, you're like, how am I going to get through this next, you know, this next month, this next, you know, few months. And, um, 
sticking with it is, uh, you know, really so, so important to just know that in the end, it's going to work out. So, and did you have, you know, and I'm assuming, right, you go from your home and you start selling more and more locally, and then you probably end up getting into, you know, oh gosh, we've got to get our own space or something of that sort. And then guess what? we got to start hiring employees. And mm-hmm. did you have management experience um, or your partner at that time managing other people? Yeah, you know, I, I guess it went back to that time at, um, you know, at Cypress Semiconductor where, you know, some of those management skills came into play. But, you know, doing it at the at the level of, um, you know, that, you know, the initial startup phase, a lot of it, I think, is um, you're acting on instinct. And um, but, you know, I think a lot of those, you know, uh, management principles are also, you know, vital that I learned in those early days. I, I don't think I... Um, probably would have been able to achieve what I did unless I had that initial um, experience. Yeah, for certain. And and you never know, right? Some managers that that you had when you were at Cypress, right? It could have been, you know, someone very hard, but you learned that lesson. Or it could have been someone, you know, that was that was a great manager, and you learned from that, and you learned that lesson there. Are you ready to break barriers and become the next CIO in the tech world? Here's the exciting news. We've custom designed a groundbreaking course specifically for female executives interested in becoming CIOs. And the best part, it's absolutely free. This women's leadership course is the first of its kind to support female leaders in technology. The program delves into real life scenarios that CIOs face daily. Whether they're leading small enterprises or vast Fortune 500 companies, So if you're a manager, director, or VP of technology, this course is a perfect fit for you. Current CIOs and technology leaders will take you on a 15-week journey, guiding you through a 360-degree view of what it takes to be a CIO, the pragmatics of implementing IT governance, the foundations of C-suite level project management and portfolios, and so much more. Ready to take a leap of faith in your career? Go to www.irvinetechcorp.com forward slash program and the link is in the description box. If you want to contribute to a more inclusive and equitable tech world for women, you can start at www.irvinetechcorp.com forward slash program. Join us in our next course for the Women in Leadership program and be part of this exciting journey. Now back to the show. Take us through next steps. So you have a small brand. It looks like, you know, you're doing well and potentially, you know, I think you manufacture, don't you manufacture here in Irvine, right? California. So you have not moved out of Orange County. I mean, you were right here doing your business, which is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely been special staying here. As we uh, started off, this is such a fantastic place to start a business, you know, in the early days of like growing it, like the first thing is the first steps kind of like, you know, you want to put the brand in like the cool stores. And so we were like, we have to be in like Fred Siegel in Los Angeles. And so we made that happen and um, kind of expanded from there into finding as many great shops as possible. And then you know, like the next step is, you know, we had the opportunity to sell into Saks Fifth Avenue. And that was just like, you know, such a, a big, big moment for the brand where, um, you know, we really felt like we were getting on people's radar and, um, you know, and, and kind of through it all in Orange County, we kept like ramping up our manufacturing capability because, you know, especially with like my manufacturing background, 
I knew that was going to be like an essential part of what we do. And at Velospa, um, you know, the quality of our product is absolutely essential. And, you know, I get asked constantly, like, why aren't you making this in China or Mexico or or somewhere else? And it's because like we want to um, we want to make it with our own hands and we want to make it here in Orange County. And, um, you know, there's it's it's a great place to do that. And, you know, rather than being something that's held us back manufacturing in the U.S., I think it's really been something that which has uh, propelled us forward. Yeah. And th- I just want to thank you. Right. Because I think so many jobs are offshore and so many products are offshore to other countries. And it's really good to have someone on who's really invested not only in the community um, in California, but in the U.S. And knowing that we have, especially in California as well, very stringent laws and regulations that, you know, your product has gone through you know, a variety of tests to make sure and ensure that it's a great product and it's healthy. And, you know, people are consuming fumes, right? So that's that's something to be concerned about. So from me to you, thank you. I'm excited. And that's why I buy your product. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that you that you brought that up because, um, you know, starting from the, uh, you know, originally with the essential oils and our, our, you know, love for natural products, um, you know, one one thing is the consumer has become more and more educated and we want healthy products. And, and you know, we were challenged years ago to move away from, you know, like a paraffin formulation to something that was going to be made of, of natural products. And there was a time there earlier on where a lot of companies were using soy wax um, as an alternative. We didn't really like that. So we challenged ourselves to find an alternative. And so we started working and doing experimentation with coconut oil to use as a as a wax base. And and we developed this like incredible formulation using coconut oil, which we were a pioneer in doing so. And, you know, the properties of a co- of coconut oil is just like beautiful, creamy wax that, that you make out of it. And it holds fragrance really well. It burns very clean, extremely clean, much cleaner than alternatives. And it's more expensive, but, you know, we leverage the fact that we're the manufacturer to like, you know, keep our costs in alignment while delivering a a wonderful product to, you know, the customers that enjoy our brand, you know, and while still keeping it at what we call like an attainable luxury price. Sure. How do you now define, I guess, personal success for yourself as well as success for your brand, right? Are they tied together? Are those synonymous with one another or in your career? Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, yeah, that I would say, um, I think that Velospa is a really unique environment where, you know, we, we are truly, you know, um, driven to, create a wonderful brand to bring joy to people. And it, you know, it's, um, it's still owned um, by the, you know, the founders, um, you know, and, and, and so really, like, when I make decisions for the company, I'm thinking about always like, what's best for the brand. And, um, you know, it's not like I don't have like a financial pressure that I have to make a certain growth percentage or profitability. It's like, What's best for the brand for the long term? What's best for my team? Being in that place, I think, is really uh, wonderful. And, you know, I think, it, you know, we've been in business now 25 years. And, you know, Velospa is 
sold all over the world. Uh, we're sold in, you know, many like larger stores like Anthropology, you know, uh, Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's, but also thousands of uh, individual boutique stores around the country and around the world who are really like, you know, the true, um, you know, uh, retailers that kind of like put our brand on the map and to this day are such wonderful partners to Velaspa and uh, doing well by all of our partners. Um, well, it's important, right? I mean, it's important the your partners or your customers, how you engage in the in the community and in the world, right? I think it's a big for for probably not only you personally. And I, I, I hear what you're saying, right? You, you and your partner own the company. You do what's right, what feels right for you, for your customers, for your your brand versus being dictated. Oftentimes there's acquisitions or there's growth partnerships through private equity. And you know, you're you're come hell or high water, you better meet a certain number. Right. And sometimes mm-hmm. that leads you to, okay, I've got to sacrifice this or I need to speed up production here. Where some shortcuts, where some cost cuttings, maybe we're not going to manufacture here in the US. Maybe we need to be looking at other things when it's, you have the luxury of not being able to, not having to do that, which I think um, is super, super special. You talked a little bit earlier about you know, it not, not always being so easy. And there were, there were obstacles and as you know, entrepreneurs are listening to this podcast and, and obviously you've had a very successful career. And I think a lot of that's attributed to your ability to, to shelter risk. What are some obstacles that if you were advising someone now who's trying to start a business, not necessarily in, in your line of business, just to think about and to look out for, or maybe some challenges that you had that advice you would give to your younger self, maybe? Yeah, you know, that that question made me think of, uh, you know, one experience that we had maybe five or six years in that, into our business. And we got this great new customer um, that was a, a candle retailer that had opened up like, you know, multiple stores. And they, um, you know, they place like, you know, these big orders with us, like bigger orders than we had ever received before. And it was such an exciting time. And and we were, you know, doing um, everything that, that we could to promote that business and shipping these these big orders, you know, it got to the point where they were a very like significant part of our business. And they ended up uh, filing for bankruptcy and they owed us a lot of money. And uh, to make matters worse, we actually got a notification from their bankruptcy court or from the bankruptcy court that we had to pay back some of the money they actually had um, paid us uh, because it was within the last 90 days or something. And that was, you know, truly a, a shock to me at the time. And it it almost put us out of business, honestly. Like we, uh, I had a lot of sleepless nights after that happened. And we really had to struggle to fight through that. And, you know, I think like really the, the lesson that I would give to, you know, entrepreneurs or, or I, I think really anyone in, in, you know, business management is that you have to um, have a diversity, I think, in your, in your income, in your client base. And, you know, we're in a very fortunate place with that, you know, within Velasper, we've been very strategic about it, where we have all of these wonderful boutique accounts, as well as, you know, some of the larger accounts, as well as, you know, our own um, e-commerce and international business. And I think, you know, um, you know, sometimes in certain industries, you do have to have like a concentration, but 
you really need to do your diligence if that's the case. If you're going to be concentrating your business with one or two or three partners, um, you really need to know, um, you know, what's what's happening over there. Yeah, I could not agree more. And, you know, it really, I have somewhat of a similar story for my business. Um, as you know, I do IT staffing nationally. And um, during the 2008 crisis, we were heavily sectored in the mortgage industry and I saw it coming, but I we delivered a lot of IT talent to the subprime market. And here in Southern California, even though we're national, it was kind of that hub. So it's New Century, um, AmeriQuest, WAMU, I mean, all IndyMac, all these banks, and and they were all involved in it. And as much as we were doing so much, I would tell you 80% of our business was aligned in the mortgage banking sector. And I kept trying, we were in the entertainment sector and we were doing a little bit on the retail. And as, as much as I kept pushing out, all of our resources were really going towards that end of the business. And sure as heck, what happens? Boom, boom, boom. We lose probably in the first four months of 2008, when the mortgage crisis hits and we're so invested, we lost 75% of our entire clientele. And oh my it was devastating. I had to shut down offices throughout the US and I knew it was coming. I knew I have to diversify. I have to diversify. But when things are going and going and you're having so many resources, you know, saying, okay, wait, we're going to stop working with these clients because we have to diversify. You know, it just doesn't come to you in that in that way. I thought, okay, we have, you know, this can't go on forever, but I didn't know to the abrupt stop. And similar to you, you aren't going to stop that. Who would have known that they would have filed bankruptcy? And but it's, you know, having a contingency plan, I think is is, you know, probably key. But yes, diversification, I think we both learned the hard way on that. Yeah, for sure. Talk about sleepless nights. That's Wonderful that you made it through that. Not, not many people would have been able to. No, we were made it through by the skin of our teeth and laid off, um, gosh, almost 90% of our workforce. It was it was really tough and then had to rebuild. It was almost like rebuilding an entire new company. And yeah. so going from thousands of employees to 20. And so it was tough. Wait, I need to hear this whole story. So <laughs> I, that's something I'm learning about you now, Nicole. Yeah. I, I hadn't heard this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it was so uh, that rings very true for, for people who are who are listening here. Um, but any other tidbits that, you know, in your journey that you can think of that really set you apart or... Um, Anything that that as you continue to grow your brand, right? What are, what's the next step for you guys? What are you are you are you very happy where you are? Are you keeping going to keep you know the brand in as like a family unit? What tell us a little bit what your plan is? You know what's really important for us now, and as as the company has gotten bigger, and where I'm you know getting more joy out of what I do is in building this um, incredible team that we have. At Velospa, and I think you know one piece of I think important advice to any manager is to really um, there's nothing more important than the team that that you have working for you and I working with you and I think like the um, the important thing is to like have the right cultural fit. Um, you know, some people really thrive in an organization that's very structured and they know what to do they know what the plan is and you know they want to stick to that and they want um they want structure around it and 
you know, at Velocipa, like our culture is more um, creative and it's it's collaborative and, you know, we're agile. We change what we do. We experiment. We try new things. I, I you know, I like to say, like, I think we've, um, you know, over the last 25 years probably had launched the most like successful um, products um, of any brand. And we've also probably launched the most unsuccessful products of any brand because, you know, especially in the early days, you know, we try things and, and you know, we iterate, you know, we've put together, you know, the the, the team at Velospa now is is uh, really, I think, like incredible in terms of as a founder myself, you know, a lot of times like within our industry, the the founder is like the designer or really the the creator um, of the product and they, they have the passion and that, you know, most of the creativity comes from that founder. In my case, it's a bit more of um, I'm more of a you know a curator, and I you know I have a passion for building our brand and what we do, but we have um, you know an incredible team of uh, creative people that design and develop our products. Like we just launched this new candle called Noble Fur Garland, which is like becoming an instant like holiday classic. It's, it's amazing. Like- it is amazing. Yes, I have them. Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> it's okay. Fantastic. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you should like, yeah, the, um, it, you know, if listeners get a chance to look at it, um, not making a plug for our I know. Here we go. They deserve it. The, I'm telling you, they're gorgeous. Yeah, the one. design detail, the fragrance and it. It's like that detail, that innovation isn't coming specifically from myself. It's from this incredible team that we have that like works in this collaborative environment um, and and together um, creates these amazing things. You know, we're not, after 25 years of being in business, we are doing our most creative work at this time. And it's really exciting. You know, as I look to the future, I see more of that and and more um, innovation and, um, you know, doing more things that are inspiring for our team and for you know, all of our wonderful customers out there. Yeah. And I love, I love your brand. I think they're so elegant and just beautiful, the designs and it's so compelling, right? It's especially every time. I mean, it's just eye catching and it's, it's classy and it's, it's, it's gorgeous. And the sense, and I love that you mentioned, right? You fail fast, right? If you're failing, that's okay. Because to me, that means you're growing, you're pushing. And yes, you've had so many successes and you've had so many failures, perhaps with your sense or, or, or some of the designs they didn't catch on or this or not, but you're trying and that's how everyone out there evolves. So mm-hmm. yeah, excited, yeah. excited to see what's, what's in store. Yeah. For, for and that you. learning process is really wonderful because, you know, now we don't really launch very many products that aren't successful just because we've gone through so many iterations. We've learned sure. so much. We know, you know, the market, you know, design, you know, what people like and, and not like, so it's not just throwing a yeah, but there yeah. was no way we could have gained all this learnings without, you know, without trying and all those like failures along the way. So it, it's it's good to be in this place. Yeah. Well, congratulations. I'm just I'm excited for you and I'm excited for your continued growth and operations. OK, really quick. We're going to do and it's super fast five, which is what we call it. I'm going to ask you five questions and um, just whatever the first answer that pops in your head uh, will be the answer. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Your favorite place to visit? Um, I love going to Utah for I love the snow and skiing. Your favorite sport? Which is skiing. <laughs> okay. Uh, then you're good to be in Utah. It's smart. Uh, favorite country? 
Oh, favorite country. Um, I would say uh, France. I love I love Paris. I get you know fortunate to spend time there with our business and the food and the just the, um, the architecture is incredible. One of my favorite cities in the world. I love it. What do you do to relax? I like to read. Light a candle. Light a yeah. candle. <laughs> yeah. Read, read by candlelight. <laughs> <laughs> You like to read. Okay. <laughs> and your favorite movie of all time? I would say um, I love Shawshank Redemption or maybe anything with Morgan Freeman in it. <laughs> yeah. He's got the most incredible voice, right? I know, right? He just, he, he just does. Well, Troy, thank you for coming on today and really appreciate your time and much, much success to you and the brand. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's been such a pleasure being on with you. And uh, yeah, um, thank you. I hope you enjoyed the episode today on the Elevate Your Career podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on your chosen platform that you are listening to us on. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this episode with them or post it on your social media to share with your friends. You can catch the show notes for this episode and any mentioned links in the description of this episode. Irvine Technology Corporation, ITC, excels at finding top-tier tech professionals and matching them with businesses. Whether you're an employer with tech opportunities or a tech professional searching for the perfect role, ITC is your go-to solution. Visit www.irvinetechcorp.com for more information. Once again, it's www.irvinetechcorp.com. We'll see you on the next episode.